sometimes I think it, I, I know what it is and throw the ultrasound on there and it is what it is. Sometimes I think it's uh, adhesive capsulitis and they have a cuffed hair on top of it. So again, and I'm relating a lot of this to shoulder stuff. It, this goes throughout the human body is we find things that we think we know. We know our algorithms of treatment. I've just streamlined it. I've pinpointed the actual issue and it has changed what I've done for treatment or what I would have probably done without the imaging on top of it. So for the people that are naysayers or whatever with imaging, and I get it, ultrasound is no different. I find things on ultrasound that uh, don't correlate to what they're talking about. Do I write about it? Absolutely. It's my, it's my, it's my duty to, but sure. if I find like a, a bifid median nerve um, and, and they're asymptomatic for, you know, carpal tunnel, well, you know, I, I have to realize that that's just, you know, an abnormal finding or a, you know, aberrant finding is something slightly different or outside the norm. Hi, welcome to In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, the ED DPT. And you won't want to miss today's episode. We're talking to Dr. Ryan Martin, who is a specialist in musculoskeletal ultrasound. What is a musculoskeletal ultrasound? We're gonna tell you. How can you use that in your practice? You're gonna find out. Is this something that we should add to EDPT practice? Maybe, there are a lot of good reasons why. Tune in to find out. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, and I'm excited to have with me today, Dr. Ryan Martin. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And I need you to just give people a little bit of background about who you are and what you do before we get started. Well, absolutely. Again, my name is Ryan. Uh, my background's in physical therapy. Uh, previous to that, uh, I was a biochem guy. So I was like one of the few nerds in the class where everybody was kinesiology, sports med, and you know, athletic training. I was the biochem guy. So I was kind of the, the nerdy scientist in the back that just loved the, the microanatomy and all that kind of stuff that happened in there. So as I progressed through physical therapy school, um, I started my career out in Hawaii, you know, working in standard outpatient orthopedics. Did a couple of years out there managing clinics. Huh? That sounds terrible. Oh, it was awful. Oh, every day. Oh, every day at the beach. Yeah, my clinic was uh, about five seconds from the beach. So, um, and and I can always tell a funny story about my one-time surfing, but we'll probably save that for later. Um, then I moved out to Arizona and managed uh, pain management for a little bit, and I got burned out on that. And somebody told me one time, uh, "Hey, why don't you learn ultrasound?" And at that time, the only thing that I could think of was therapeutic ultrasound, you know, what we think of as a modality for treatment, right, for, for healing and what, whatnot. And, and we know that there's not really good evidence on therapeutic ultrasound, you know, unless you want to heat tissue. But, but again, efficacy for, for – and so anyway, I told this person, I said, you're kidding me. There's, I'm not going to – why would I study that, you know? And they said, no, 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 diagnostic. And I said, well, can I? Like, can I do imaging? Can I do diagnostic imaging? And so, you know, for the next month or two, I did my research for the state of Arizona and how things are growing. So diagnostic MSK ultrasound is in the purview in the State Practice Act. We can do it in the state of Arizona and actually more and more throughout the entire country, to be honest. 
So I pursued it. And here in town, um, there was this pseudo residency. So I did about a year and a half residency program in MSK Ultrasound under the guidance of Dr. Joel Sellers. He's a, a sports med physician. Dr. Colin Rigney, physical therapist, OCS, and a professor at AT Still for imaging. And then uh, Dr. Wayne Smith, who basically uh, set up the Andrews Institute. So if you know anything about sports medicine, Andrews Institute is like one of the leading sports med institutes. He basically founded the MSK Ultrasound. So I did a pseudo residency through them for about a year and a half, just scanning, 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 learning, learning, learning. And then I took what's known as the RMSK, which is the Registered Muscle Skeletal Ultrasound Certification. Since then, um, I've been doing everything from clinical care to education. So I teach MSK Ultrasound now. I do it in a digital format. I do it live format. Um, but MSK Ultrasound is really my thing. Um, I'm a partner in five clinics here in Arizona that are sports med and uh, physical therapy hybrid. So they have both medical and physical therapy working together using imaging as a, you know, uh, essentially the glue to kind of keep everything together as a bond and a bridge. Um, and so that's what I do. So I'm a partner in clinical practice. I see patients on occasion like today, and then I teach MSK ultrasound. So that's me in a nutshell. Is that helpful? <laughs> it is. So I think if for people who are listening, they're like, I don't even know what MSK ultrasound is. Like, what is it? So MSK, muscle skeletal ultrasound, meaning you're looking at things that are outside the purview of obstetrics or rheumatology, you know, or, or not, I shouldn't say rheumatology, but like, uh, you know, nephrology, you're not looking at kidneys, you're not looking at thyroids, you're not looking at babies. Um, you're looking at muscle skeletal pathologies, including, you know, bony apparatus, you know, joint pathology, extra articular stuff. So anything that is soft tissue, um, we're going to look at usually within the extremities. That's what MSK ultrasound is. Okay. So it's kind of a different way to get some diagnostic information without doing CT, without doing MRI, without maybe skipping to x-ray, especially when you know it's not a bony issue. Right, right. So it's another imaging modality and it's an advanced imaging modality uh, that can be used um, in conjunction with all the other things that we do as physical therapists. So everything from subjective, objective measurements, we can put this in as another tool uh, for diagnostic criteria. And, and it can lead towards other advanced imaging if needed, or it can be, you know, you know, you could use that for the imaging purposes for diagnostics. So when you think you know what it is, especially with uh, with physical therapists, we, we know a lot of special testing and we have a pretty good idea of how the mechanics or what the pathology may be. But when yeah. you bring MSK ultrasound into the game, you have a better idea and you can actually pinpoint the severity of what it is. I think that's pretty cool. I did actually, actually one time I did, I worked at a CrossFit Games and I did it with a physician and he had the MSK ultrasound and I had my hands and then we would bet to see who was right. And it was kind of fun to see there was totally a lot of overlap there. Um, but there were times where I was like totally off base or there were times when I was like, I don't know, this seems really sketchy. And then we would do the ultrasound and be like, oh yeah, like you need to maybe, maybe we need to stop this game for you today because you just sustained a bigger injury than I think you thought you did. So definitely I've seen it in that circumstance only. Um, and I know here in Colorado, PTs can order imaging. So I'm, I'm really like fascinated by this idea of the PT actually performing the imaging themselves. Was the training difficult for that? 
the learning curve is is pretty steep and uh i guess i should mention that yes i as i teach msk percent i have an entire program that i teach we have a mentorship residency that we teach so it's it's not an easy program if you're going to try and do it alone you know, just like many of the things that we learn, mentorship and and training with somebody that knows what they're doing is, is imperative, right? The learning curve is really steep. This is not something that we really learn in school. It's almost like a new language. Um, and it takes time. It does take time. Uh, so it, you know, a lot of people may want to learn this in a weekend, but that's, that's not the case for MSK Ultrasound. Okay, so if somebody's listening to this, whether they're in a clinic or they have their own business, what are the benefits of learning how to do this and going through this whole process yourself? Like, can you bill for that? Does it enhance your business? Is it a marketing tool? Like, uh, tell people like what the practical applications are as a physical therapist doing. Sure. Well, the biggest thing is, is it enhances your diagnostic ability. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the right hands, just like anything in the right hands with the right education, this enhances who you are as a physical therapist, period. It, it, it changes the, the, the game 100 uh, percent. So that's one thing. And so people, they, they love that idea is that they can get better diagnostics. Right. And then there's lots of research and literature to show where the efficacy lies, you know, for different pathologies. That's one thing. But another thing is, is can you bill for it? Well, yes and no. So this is where we need to have more discussions on, you know, what's billable, what's not. Can a physical therapist bill for MSK ultrasound? Yes, they can. Now, will it depend on insurances? Sure. Will it, okay. uh, will it depend on state practice act? Yes. And another thing to be considerate of is uh, government agencies such as Medicare, Medicaid, TRICARE, they're not covering it under the the uh, if it's rendered by a physical therapist at this point. So a lot of your private practices, or if you're doing anything that's cash pay, obviously you can get reimbursed for it. But yeah, um, we use it in our PT clinics, and we get reimbursed under PTs, you know, rendering the service. And there are specific codes that you use that are not part of the whole nine seven groups, um, you know, that that are reimbursable codes for MSK ultrasound. Yes. Okay, and how do you feel like it's changed your practice? Oh, um, I mean, again, prior to MSK ultrasound, I was in, you know, outpatient ortho, and then I worked in pain management. Um, I would say I thought I knew a lot. I really did. I thought, you know, I got this. I know what this is. But when you put an ultrasound on somebody and you look at it and you say, oh, you know, it's humbling. It's very humbling because you, you realize that what you thought you knew, you know a fraction of. Um, or what you thought you knew, you just know better. You know, you just enhanced what you, what you did. And so for me as a clinician, um, I feel that uh, it it's only served to improve what I've done. It hasn't taken away anything. It hasn't taken away my judgment calls. It hasn't taken away reasoning skills. It hasn't taken away anything that's helped me as a physical therapist. If anything, it's only improved or amplified what I've done. Okay, I love that. I feel like it's just another tool you can use to help with your critical thinking process, right? But I've got to ask you, all these people that say imaging doesn't matter. And, you know, seeing something on imaging doesn't mean it's the source of the pain, like all of that that we know, right? Like with MRIs and the research shows, imaging doesn't matter. And I often have to, in the emergency department, tell patients why they're not getting imaging because it doesn't matter. So, so what would you tell people that are like, 
there's no way I'm going to do that because imaging doesn't correlate with function. Mm. And, and we get that, you know, and I hear that. I hear that a lot. Um, well, here's the thing, though, is from diagnostics, is it going to change your outcome? Right. Yeah. And that's what everybody wants to know. Is this going to change how I treat my patient? Yes. So patient A comes in. Right. They have a subacute injury to the shoulder, um, you know, mild limitations to the shoulder. Uh, they have pain and apprehension overhead, you know, reaching behind their back. You know, your, your classic, you know, rotator cuff type of pathology. Now, you do an ultrasound and you find that there's significant undersurface articular sided tearing and it's holding on by a thread. Is that going to change my clinical reasoning to go ahead and put them through, you know, standard PT treatment? No. So I have medical in-house and I have relationships with medical all through town. It's changed my, you know, my reasoning skills right there is this might need something beyond what I'm going to do, you know, or at least another eye on it. And that's why we work multidisciplinary and we can make that decision. So yeah, it, it could have changed exactly how I presented with this or how I started my treatment or somebody's in there and they're absolutely apprehensive. They have a drop arm, but you know, they have lifted shoulder, all this kind of stuff. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, this thing's completely gone. You know, this thing's a complete total, you know, rotator cuff tear. They're going to go to, you know, whatever. You throw the ultrasound on there and you see the bursas just, you know, completely inflamed, irritated. And is that going to change my, my thought process? Absolutely. So now I know that there's no full thickness tear. There's no partial thickness undersurface, you know, articular sided tear that I have to go running off and, and, and freaking out about it. Um, I can start conservative treatment knowing that I'm not going to damage this anymore. So has it changed the algorithm? Yes, it has. Has it changed the function and how it presents into the clinic? Absolutely. Um, is it going to be the same way every single time? No, sometimes I think it, I, I know what it is and throw the ultrasound on there. And it is what it is. Sometimes I think it's uh, adhesive capsulitis and they have a cuffed hair on top of it. So again, and I'm relating a lot of this to shoulder stuff. It, this goes throughout the human body is we find things that we think we know. We know our algorithms of treatment. I've just streamlined it. I've pinpointed the actual issue and it has changed what I've done for treatment or what I would have probably done without the imaging on top of it. So for the people that are naysayers or whatever with imaging, and I get it, ultrasound is no different. I find things on ultrasound that uh, don't correlate to what they're talking about. Do I write about it? Absolutely. It's my, it's my, it's my duty to, but sure. if I find like a, a bifid median nerve um, and, and they're asymptomatic for, you know, carpal tunnel, well, you know, I, I have to realize that that's just, you know, an abnormal finding or a, you know, aberrant finding is something slightly different or outside the norm. But again, I have to use my critical thinking. As you said, this is not the end all be all. This is just one more tool to help with my critical thinking and give me another choice to where I can move forward with my algorithms. I love that. So this is a super naive question. So don't laugh at me. How long does it take? To learn or to do the scan? To do the scan. Cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking ED, right? And I'm thinking we gotta move these patients through here. Don't get me wrong. It takes a year and a half to get a CT scan in the ED. But like, I'm just wondering like, if I can do this and add value to the ED, like how long is this going to take? All right. Uh, suspicion of, of um, I don't know, a scaphoid fracture. It's a foosh, right? And you just want to rule it in, rule it out really quick. Can you yeah. put that ultrasound there? If you understand what you're looking at, can you look at that scaphoid within two to three minutes and to make a judgment call? Yeah. What about Less than two, three minutes. Hmm? Like a plantar fascia tear. 
plantar fascia tear, I mean, it's going to take longer to take their shoes off. What about hamstring rupture? Oh my gosh. Proper, proper uh, uh, dressing is going to be the biggest concern there is making sure that they're covered up the right way. And that's going to take longer than getting the scan on there. So you could, you could probably see a hamstring tear and, and I'll probably tell a funny story. It's not funny, but uh, I'll tell a story here real quick is um, my wife, she called me two weeks ago and I was at one of a sports med clinics and, and she said, I, I felt something in the back of my leg. And I said, well, what did it feel like? She said, it felt like somebody snapped me with a rubber band. And I said, what were you doing? I was just walking in the garage. I said, oh, and I was at a sports med clinic. I said, come on down. Let me take a look. It took me, I don't know, maybe less than a minute, maybe a minute to scan the hamstring and say, oh, there's a hole. She had a small tear in her semitendinosis that I was able to identify within minutes. Now, if you're triaging and you're having patients in and out and doing all this stuff and you're like, how long does it take? It's either going to take longer to have the system set up and get them, you know, in the proper positioning than to do the actual scan. So if you get a system down to where you have a, a machine ready, you know, and a lot of these handhelds can be ready within minutes or seconds, and you could be doing that scan, you know, instantaneous results. So again, it comes down to the education and understanding what you're looking for, right? Yeah. So I think my next question is, how do I know when I want to do that instead of a different type of imaging modality? Like, how do I decide? What's my decision tree look like? If it's because muscle skeletal, so many, yeah. yeah. So many patients come into the ED and then and the physicians just automatically route them for x-ray, right? Like, so how can I disrupt that process by saying, hey, this is going to be quicker, faster, and more effective? Right. Well, you know your CPTs, right? So you have all your clinical prediction rules or your CPRs, I should say. You know all your CPRs, you know your Ottawa's, you know your, you know, whatever, your Canadian C-spines, you know those, right? And so you can, in your head, you're already thinking, they haven't passed these rules, plain film, right? So you know that part, right? But if they're not falling into the same criteria where x-ray is the first line of defense, um, you should know that ultrasound for any extremity, if you think that there was pathology in that space that doesn't fall under to the, you know, plain film CPRs, you could be using ultrasound right there. And in fact, if, if you suspect a fracture, here's my question is, how good is ultrasound for determining fractures? I will get you the literature, you know? Um, so here's the, you can't see past bone, but you can see the cortical margin. So you can see if there's a step off fracture, you can see a stress fracture. In fact, if you look at the literature, current literature is what is a better way to look at a stress fracture acute stress stress fracture is it going to be plain film or is it going to be ultrasound well i challenge a lot of doctors that send it straight for x-rays are you going to see every stress fracture right off the bat okay with ultrasound is it more sensitive like are you going to see it more clearly right off the bat yes and there's and there's markers there's diagnostic markers where you'll see stress fractures especially acute stress fractures immediately so, so can you look at bony or osseous um, pathologies? Yeah, you can. Now, are you going to see them all? Uh, maybe not. Maybe you have to do your quick scan and say, this might warrant additional, you know, imaging. Or you could say, I see this fracture right here. You know, maybe you get the plain film just to make sure it doesn't have, you know, any other complications in there. I, that's a that's a clinical reasoning question, right? But you know when to use msk ultrasound if it comes in and there's acute damage that you suspect muscle skeletal pathology you know as long as it's not spinal you're pretty much have a lot of success with what you're going to find 
Yeah, I'm just thinking about all these folks who are coming in with ankle sprains, for example, who automatically get x-rays and they don't need them. Um, so I'm just I'm just thinking like how much this could potentially streamline practice in urgent cares, in um, sidelines, locker rooms, in uh, the ED, specifically like in RED we have an area that's like a super track area. It's the people who kind of should have gone to urgent care, like those more mild complaints, their ambulatory, their sprains, strains, things like that. And the PTs really are managing most of that and making decisions about uh, imaging, different recommendations there. So I'm thinking this could just be a tool that we could use to maybe enhance our care. And it sounds like it wouldn't really provide a delay in care. No, if anything, um, as far as like triage and finding the right home for these patients, it's actually over time, once you get better at the, the protocols, it's actually gonna save a lot of the hassle and maybe clear out your emergency department on some of those not as emergent you know, situations. Yeah, and I'm thinking too like ripple effects. So if I've got 40 people in the waiting room and 10 people of them are waiting, 10 of those people are waiting for an unnecessary x-ray, I've just like speeded those 40 people up. Yeah. Or if I'm sending fewer people to CT, that leaves the CT open for the people who have really emergent needs for that, that type of imaging. Absolutely. Because one of the biggest issues in the emergency department overall, right, is operations. It's throughput, it's operations, it's resource availability, it's resource use. So I think if we could use this to help kind of differentially diagnose, to help triage patients a little bit better, to make more appropriate referrals, because that's our other job is to get patients out of the department. Right. Like my job is to help you leave in the most successful way possible. You might not be going home, but you will leave this department. But my job is also to decide what happens next for you. So if I have that kind of capability where I can take a look at a patient and say, oh, gosh, no, I actually need to refer you to orthopedics and not physical therapy, or I can confidently refer you just to physical therapy and not orthopedics instead of just sending out these like mass referrals where access issues are a huge problem four or five weeks to get an appointment. I think that would be a little bit more effective. The other thing that I find that patients want when they come into the emergency department is reassurance. And this seems like a really good way to help people with that. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So when they come in and and they think, oh, I did this, I did X, Y, Z, and and you do the scan and it comes up negative, and you're confident that it's negative, that's going to help out right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, as far as time management and operational, I mean, again, I don't work in an emergency department, so I don't know all the odds and ends and how it works. But I mean, in a multidisciplinary clinic like we have here, we have to make those clinical decisions because the PTs are doing the diagnostics and they have to decide, am I pushing this through to our medical team or yeah. am I keeping this within our you know, conventional PT or am I actually sending this to one of our partners that does orthopedics? So we have to understand that algorithm and that's what we teach is how to understand that. So it's not just you know how to do ultrasound scans, it's why to do ultrasound scans. And I think this would fit beautifully as that like little piece into a puzzle for the emergency department. I think you're absolutely right. And then when we talk to students about evaluate, treat and refer, evaluate and treat, evaluate, you know, like making that decision making process, you're really talking about helping streamline that process. 
so you can more confidently evaluate, treat, and refer, and you know who to refer to. But I'm going to ask you, because there are PTs who are like purists out there and like we're autonomous providers. We should not be working in, in partnership with physicians. Talk to me about that, because obviously that's not the model I work in. I work in the most collaborative, multidisciplinary team ever. It's definitely a team sport. But what do you think as far as the direction of PT and our role in the medical model? Should we be these autonomous standalone providers or are we losing out on, on providing something for our patients? Right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to knock, you know, the idea of being autonomous. Um, but I do see, I mean, there's flaws in every system, right? I mean, in the healthcare system, it's not like anything is going to be necessarily perfect, right? And so I don't knock it per se, and I don't knock the purist for wanting that autonomy. Um, that's not the route we went. Um, we really feel that the collaborative, you know, effort between medical and physical therapy and, and bridging it with imaging, we felt that that was the best that we could do for our patients, especially yeah. in this, this type of environment, because we are uh, essentially non-operative or non-surgical orthopedic management and sports medicine with rehabilitation. And so to make that work, we couldn't do it standalone. PTs don't do injections, right? And so we have medical here that can help streamline with certain things like platelet-rich plasma. I mean, so if you can get somebody in with a specific injection, and, and again, we can go into detail of what that kind of stuff is, but if we can do specific things under the medical side, and parallel that with physical therapy, I wouldn't be able to do that if I was autonomous, right? And I would have to build relationships with outside doctors anyway to make that happen. So no matter how you look at it, um, standalone PTs, I mean, there's there's limitations, right? And, and if you don't understand your limitations or if you think that you can do everything, I think you could get into trouble. But at the same time is I'm not going to knock anybody for for doing what they do, for how they practice. Yeah. I just know how we practice, and I know that we wouldn't survive with a, without a multidisciplinary approach. And the communication between our team, it, that's where the magic actually happens, is teaching PTs how to talk to medical doctors and how to understand imaging and how to relay the plan of care to where everybody's on the same page. Um, and I'm sure the emergency department is like that, but tenfold. And so for us, it wouldn't work without that collaboration. Um, do I see the future of PT being completely autonomous? No, but that's my personal opinion. Well, I would I would push back a little bit and just say that when you're a top of scope provider, autonomy is more of a mindset than a practice location or a practice model. And I think what, what you're describing is truly autonomous decision making in collaboration with other prov providers. So when I hear people say that they just they don't want to partner with physicians, I, I get that we don't necessarily want to be told what to do or how to practice. But I think there is magic in being an autonomous provider, a doctor of physical therapy that can truly collaborate, enhance, and streamline patient care through these different models that are available. Well, I think what you're talking is is, is semantics, right? Is what do we consider autonomous? Here's the yes. thing is, is in our practice, our PTs are autonomous. Yes. I mean, they are top of scope autonomous. They make clinical decisions and reasoning that maybe some other PTs aren't doing at this level, but we do it in collaboration, 100%. Okay, we haven't, but but if you think autonomy is isolation, now we're talking a yeah. difference in definition. 
No. Okay. So, but if you're talking autonomous in like top of scope and able to make de clinical decisions independently, absolutely. But sometimes there's those things that you're like, you know, a second eyes wouldn't hurt, you know, and that's when you get humbled and that's when you actually become a good practitioner and you're doing your patients a better service. Yeah. I just had a conversation with somebody about top of scope uh, as a concept, because obviously I'm a huge believer in that. And we both agreed that really you don't get to the top you're constantly climbing towards the top, right? So it's all a growth process, it's climb, and that's really where, where that learning comes in. So I think you're absolutely right. I love that, and I love that model, and I love that your providers are really able to collaborate that way. So I've got kind of an unexpected question for you. Have you ever had to send a patient to the ED based on your MSK ultrasound findings? To the ED? Yeah. Um, off of MSK ultrasound? Um, yeah, we, we've had DVTs that were suspected as calf pain, you know, mm -hmm. and so uh, a quick call uh, has, has resolved those type of things. So, yeah, um, so you get sometimes you'll get and, and again, I don't knock any profession, but sometimes you'll get a referral that says calf pain. And the first thing in your head is Wells criteria or, you know, you start thinking of like, OK, what, what's going on here? Now I put the ultrasound on there and you're like, oh. Okay. Now, even though you don't think of it as muscle skeletal, you have to understand how to differentiate. Okay. Right. So, you, you know, during the training of MSK ultrasound, you have to look at every type of mass that's out there, you know, to be an efficient practitioner, because you have to understand what is a, you know, spherical, you know, non-vascular versus an asymmetric vascular structure and where it's palpable to non, you know, compressible. You have to know the differences because those, because you might find something that looks suspicious, right? Yeah. I've never, never had to send anybody out for a cancerous lesion that I've ever found. Um, but I have found things that, well, I shouldn't say that I, sh I have sent people out for lesions that look suspicious, but I've never had anything come back that was terrible. Okay. Um, but for things like DVTs or other things like that, yeah, I've had to send people out, um, at least have a discussion with a medical provider and say, Hey, you know, where do we go with this emergency department, you know, yeah. or, you know, do not, you know, do not pass, go, do not collect $200, go see your, your doc right now. So. I love it. So if there's a PT who's in the ED listening right now and they're like, all right, I'm sold. I want to do this. Where and how do they find you? Where and how do they do this? Well, and how do they, one more question. How do they even pitch that to their emergency department? They call me and I'll pitch it to their department. Um, I have no problem with that. No, um, when you pitch it or when you try and talk, it, it sells itself. Like it shouldn't have to be a car sale or it shouldn't have to. It's, it's a necessity. You know, it's, it's a means, right? And it helps augment, you know, it's, it's not a difficult decision when you understand what it can do. When you understand the actual benefits here, it's not a sale. You know, it's just like, oh, it's a no brainer. Right. Um, kind of like having PT in the ED. Once you understand the benefits, it's a no brainer. Correct. A hundred percent. It it just makes sense. And then when you see it in action, then you're like, oh, okay, 
I see how this works. Now, for people that want to learn it, there's a ton of avenues, right? I teach it, but I'm not the only one. And I'm not going to sit here on a high horse or on a soapbox and tell people they have to come see me. No, there's a lot of programs out there. And if they want to reach out to me, awesome. And if they want to reach out to me to know what the other programs are, I'm more than happy to share. There's enough space for everybody. Um, the RMSK, so the, the Registered Muscle Skeletal you know, uh, Certification, um, that's available to PTs, MDs, DOs. You know, it's a select group that can get that. It's through the APCA. So you can go to their website. And they also, and I think this would be something that you'd probably be more interested in, is they also offer something called a POCUS certification, which is point of care ultrasound, which is more bedside and emergency care stuff. And so the, the requirements for that are much, much less, but it gives you a very specific focused type of learning or, you know, a, a focused um, a certification, whereas MSK, the RMSK exam is very global. Um, so if people were thinking, oh, I want to put this into an emergency department, I would start with POCUS, P-O-C-U-S, uh, POCUS. And that's through the APCA as well. So they do the RMSK and the POCUS examinations. I have a few friends that have taken the POCUS who are now going through and getting their RMSK. Okay. Now, I feel like this is like being a PT student, right? You have to see a lot of normal before you know what abnormal looks like. How long did it take you after your training to feel comfortable? Well, to be honest, I was thrown into a sports med facility for my residency right off the bat. So I didn't yeah. see normal. So <laughs> it was, no, I mean, like normal was in a book, right? right. Or normal was yeah. on my shoulder. And then it turns out, I was like, oh, turns out I have, you know, arthritic AC joint. Okay. All right. Moving right. on. So learning normal was through, you know, repetition with friends and family, to be honest, but I was thrown into a clinic right off the bat. And so it was almost like working in retrograde, like it was almost backwards for me because I was just seeing abnormal, abnormal, abnormal. And I'm, and I'm sitting with some of the physicians there. I said, well, what does normal look like? You know, like you look at these pictures and you're like, okay, well, that doesn't look like that. That must be abnormal. Um, so it took, <laughs> it took me a while to kind of figure everything out. But a lot of the people that we put through our program, you know, I mean, if you look at it base by base and you understand histology and you understand how tissue is supposed to look and you understand the anatomy and you understand like how, it, you know, um, the typical variations, if you can understand those concepts, I mean, a couple months into it, you start putting those recognition patterns together and you're like, okay, that's not normal, but what is it? Right. And so yes. they say, what is it? 10,000 repetitions to be an expert. I don't know. But um, with ultrasound, it, it's all about repetition and finding a mentor. That's really what it comes down to because right when you th think you know it, it'll throw a curveball. And I'm sure it's like that with a lot of things, but right when you think that you got this down, something hits you in the face like a two by four. So um, it was yeah, one of the most humbling funny. experiences ever. And I absolutely love it. I, I think that's amazing. And I think you definitely still maybe are that biochem nerd just a little bit because you said histology and that's not oh, like sorry. a thing that about for 15 years and so I had like that like little like that like thinking about a little dry heaveness from PT school and, and taking that class to be honest well I'm P yeah, PT yeah PTSD remember starts with PT so <laughs> that's awful okay so what parting thoughts do you want to leave people with after this podcast well I think parting thoughts for this are, are going to be things such as don't limit yourself. That doesn't mean MSK ultrasound, you know, but, but don't limit yourself. And I, I teach outside the box 
And I think as physical therapists, we need to break outside of that box and we have to be bold and we have to be better. And when I say better is we're doing a good job, but we can always do better. And the thought is, is no matter what you do, <laughs> just be better, right? Do your best. Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree with you. I, I keep talking to people about physical therapy is not a location. I'm not an outpatient clinic PT. I'm not an acute care PT. I'm not, you know, like we, we need to be PTs that see our patients and the spaces that they present themselves. And we need to give them the best care that we can. So I really appreciate this as another tool to help bring us a little bit closer to that goal. Thank you for being on the podcast. You've been in the ED now and you're officially discharged. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody out there. If you need anything, reach out. Thank you for listening. In the ED Now is a podcast hosted and produced by Rebecca Griffith, the ED DPT, as part of Rebecca Griffith Physical Therapy, LLC. Our podcast makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. This podcast is intended for educational use only and is not intended as clinical or medical advice. While we make every effort for accuracy, factual errors may be present. Since you've been in the ED, I'm prepared to give you your discharge instructions. Please subscribe, share, and find more at the eddpt.com. You're officially discharged.